know the vibes. Welcome back <laughs> to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, presented by NBA 2K23. Today's what episode. Well, why, why are we today's so episode is titled "Laugh at My Pain." Shout out to Kevin Hart. Um, <laughs> playoff action once again. I'm Momusi. Alongside me is always the one and only BJ Armstrong. BJ's got a big smile on his face. BJ, how are you doing? Hey, no smiles, no smiles. I just you're on camera. You can't hide a smile. <laughs> you on camera? You can't hide it. <laughs> what happened? Well, what happened tonight? I don't know what happened. I, so I, I didn't get a chance to figure out what happened. If you listen to yesterday's episode, what happened was exactly what I told you was going to happen. That Joe MB doesn't play yet. The Sixers still beat the Celtics in Boston in Game One because the Boston Celtics are an unserious team. Unserious is the word I have. Talk about playing with your food, BJ. This was a damn food fight at their own table. It was an embarrassment that they lost this game. There's no Joel Embiid. He's injured, okay? Giannis and the Bucks are already eliminated. So you got to face the Heat or the Knicks in the next round if you get through this one. So you got the chance to take a one nothing lead and you got a chance to really make a statement here and say, we're the best team in the East. We're going to come and destroy you. You haven't got the MVP on your team. Instead, what did they do? They decide to basically not play defense the whole game. They had an outstanding offensive performance. Through the first half of this game, the Boston Celtics shot 74% from the field. Philly, however, shot 55%. So it was still very close going into halftime. It felt like I was watching a shoot around. It felt like I was watching a scrimmage. I didn't see a playoff intensity. Okay. James Harden was cooking early. In like the first five minutes, he already had 12 points. And, um, you know, the, the teams were both scoring back and forth. The Celtics were getting a lot of penetration on the inside. Easy baskets at the rim because there was no rim protector really there. However, getting all those twos meant that the Celtics, who I've said all season long, are over-reliant on their three-point scoring to win games, went 10 for 26 from the, uh, the three-point line. However... 26 three-pointers is their second lowest amount of three-pointers shots in a game in the last two years. And uh, the Celtics went away from what they built their regular season record on, and that's scoring a lot of three-pointers. And Joe Mazzula said after the game that he doesn't think 26 twos, 26 threes is the recipe for success. And that quote tells me everything I need to know, that the Boston Celtics will not be winning a championship because of instead of saying, we didn't do a good enough job on defense and allow James Harden to go off for 45 points and Tyrese Maxey to get 26 and Tobias Harris to get 18 and DeAnthony Melton to have 17. Instead of saying we need to lock in on defense, you said we need to shoot more threes. And unless you're the Golden State Warriors, that's not going to be a recipe for a championship. So at least now I can watch the rest of the playoffs stress-free, knowing that the Boston Celtics aren't serious championship contenders, because that was a horror show, what I saw tonight in Boston. Okay. All right, next game, or are we done? No, tell me what you thought. <laughs> well, I'll say this. You know, my good friend, Doc Rivers, when he is the underdog, when he has a chance to experiment, <laughs> and, and, well, listen, all jokes aside, this is a very hard game for the Boston Celtics. Here's why. Because they're playing with house money, and we don't know how they play minus Joel Embiid. This was a very tough game to prepare for 
because we didn't know if he was playing. And once we found out he wasn't playing, now how are they going to play? Because they haven't played this way all season, and it's house money. Doc Rivers has like a free, like you do a scouting report, you do advanced scouting, you do, you know, you 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 are locked in on your guy. And all of a sudden, you're playing against James Harden in a way we haven't seen since Houston. Mm-hmm. We're playing again. We're it's just free, it's just a free game now. So all of a sudden, Mo, they had sixty something points in the first in the first half in the first half. And then I'm going. They just don't know. They don't have a game plan yet because there's it's a blank sheet of paper. Like how are you going to prepare for this team, Mo? You're playing a playoff game at home. And then you say, well, what are we preparing for? You can't put anything up on the on the on the whiteboard. You can't look at any game film. All you can say is Joel Embiid is not playing. And we don't know who else is going to play. We don't know the rotations. We don't know the, the style of play. We don't know what they're going to do defensively. We don't know how to attack them. We don't know anything. So in saying all of that, I thought this was a very difficult game. I've played in these games in the regular season. They're tough. Because people have different roles, you have different rotations, you have different call plays. You can't look to your assistants and say how we're going to defend this action because we've never seen this action. We don't know anything. We don't. We don't know any. So it's it's really difficult to play. So as much as I want to be disappointed in this game, I'm not surprised at all. I'm because not surprised. You don't go from no. And the reason I'm not surprised is because I know these are your Celtics, and we say the Celtics in comparison. But this is a total, this is a totally new ball game. And here's why I say that. It's because suddenly now, when you have to play a game and you don't have any preparation for it, that's a tough game to play. And if someone gets hot, especially in today's game mode, okay, now it's a real problem. Why? Because the three-point shot, it's a different ball game. So if they make 17 threes and you only make what, I don't know, they make 10 or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's a lot of points. Okay. That that's, that's seven, what that's 21 points. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's, that's a lot of points and you got to figure out ways to make that up. And then they found a flow. Now, Mo, what we know, what we know, Mo, is that teams are going to attack Al Horford. Yes. We know this. Now we 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 kind of know this. Now, Mo, I don't know, but and then here's the here, here's the kicker. They're up 1-0, talking about Philly, and then JoJo could come back. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? So are they going to go back to being an inside team? Are they going to continue this five-out offense with James Harden leading the charge and playing freely like this? I don't now, Mo, you're coming into game two, which is a must game for you, and you still can't definitively say this is what we have to do in order to win the game so it's been a very it's going to be a very difficult game however i still think boston is in good shape they because they know they can score they know they're going to have to i think they're going to have to play a little faster and get up more threes however defensively they're going to have to figure out how to contain james harden because james harden I mean, he had a, like a little fat, a little flashback game. Now I don't know if he can continue it. I don't know if this was just one game in a series, but I'm gonna tell you something right now. Boston is gonna have to do something on that 
clear out screen, whatever they're doing, because Doc Rivers had them playing in a way molded. I didn't even, I didn't even know Doc Rivers had those type of plays in his bag. I didn't really know if that's the James Harden that you wanted to let put it like this. One of the coaches called me here this evening. He goes, I didn't know that genie could was still in the bottle. I didn't know. Well, he, he's got to get a new contract this summer, so he's best believed that he's bringing well, that genie well, out of the bottle. I, well, I, I, well, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that that was still there. And I by the way, he, he took a trip to Las Vegas while the Celtics were busy playing the Hawks. Okay, I, whatever it is, keep doing it. Okay, <laughs> whatever it is, get you the keep jet. doing it because because <laughs> if you can get the forty-five and do whatever you do, everyone prepares for a game differently. But I got to give him credit. A hard game to play, disappointing for the Celtic fans. But you know what? You know, that's why you play. And and, and I don't think it's nothing they can't overcome. However, okay. if they lose game two, though, Mo, now, now you should be really concerned. Now, the Celtics, um, I, I take on board everything you're saying about how difficult it is to plan for these games. However, 16 turnovers compared to only six turnovers for the Sixers. And this is the game you lost by four points. Well, well Mo, we, we, you and I have been stating this now. We're going on two years, so... This is nothing new. You crush them I on the ball. They just got it. You're getting anything yes. you want inside, and you still lose the damn game. Ridiculous. I don't even want to talk about this one anymore. I don't even want to. Oh, well, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. I mean, what, what, they're targeting, I mean, um, targeting Al Horford in screen roll, but what the teams are also doing, you saw the Hawks do it a bit, and the Sixers doing it. They're making sure that Jalen Brown, first they get to switch on to Jalen Brown, and then they go into the action with Al Horford. So maybe that's something Jalen Brown needs to look at um, as they go into this one. But we saw a high-scoring game uh, in Boston, um, but then the second game of the night with two offensive powerhouses, we saw a very low-scoring game. It was like a little throwback game as the Denver Nuggets took a 2 nothing lead in the series against the Phoenix Suns with a 97-87 to win in a game oh. which looked like the Phoenix Suns were in control up until the fourth quarter. Jamal Murray had a horrendous performance. I had a coach call me before the game, uh, first of all, to laugh at me about the Celtics, but second of all, he said, get ready to watch Jamal Murray jack up some shots. I said, why? He goes, well, he saw Steph Curry get 50. He's going to go and try and prove that he's on the same level. And then I turn on the Jamal Murray show and, you know, midway through the third, he's what, got four points, one of seven, zero from six from downtown. I don't remember what it was. He had a shocking game. He finished with just 10 points, three of 15 from the field, zero from nine from behind the arc. Um, but luckily the Joker stepped up and scored 39 mm -hmm. points along with 16 rebounds. And Aaron Gordon making great contributions once again with 16 points. And Contavious Caldwell-Pope added 14 without missing a single three-pointer. He did a great job over on the Phoenix side. Uh, Devin Booker, mid-range masterclass, he put up 35 points. Kevin Durant had 24 points on 10 of 27 shooting. Two of 12 from behind the arc. Very bad night for Katie. He didn't have seven turnovers again, but he did not have a good shooting performance. Chris Paul, eight points, but he left the game in the third quarter with an injury and did not return. Worrying now for Phoenix being in this 2 nothing hole, going back home. I know you're going to say, you know, the Nuggets did what they had to do. The series hasn't started yet and Phoenix is going back home and whatnot. But just from watching this game, you held the Denver Nuggets to... How many points was it in the first quarter that the Denver Nuggets scored? 18 points in the whole first quarter. And you still lost by 10 points in the end of the game. That concerns me a lot. That really does concern me a lot. So what was your takeaways from this one? That was a very physical game. And the, and the more physical team and the team that should have won won, that's won the game. And that is the, 
the Denver Nuggets. They were more physical. I mean, Jokic was very dominant again. I thought the, you know, the physicality of the game and Chris Paul going out seemed to really, it was a turning point during the course of the game. Now, I don't know how severe it is. He did not come back during the course of this game. However, um, I thought they were right where they wanted to be up until that point. Now they were, you know, they were right there. It was a, it was a grinded out type of game. I thought CP kind of established something where in the first game, I didn't think he really established his presence. I thought he did a nice job. Um, They weren't dominant in two positions, the center position and the point guard position. So that was a, that was a. I thought that was positive. Aiton did positive. really well to start this game. He was way more physical. I thought they did it. I thought they did a really nice job. However, over the the, the course of a forty eight minutes, I thought Phoenix was. I mean, Denver was the more, more aggressive team, and it showed, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were just more physical. I thought they did a better job of executing their offense. Joker is just a load down there. They're going to have to do something with him, I and mean, he's just. You know, if he's not scoring, he's passing. If he's not passing, well, he's creating was, havoc. What was working early for them is they were basically cutting off all the passing from the Joker. You know, they were sending help defenders not at Jokic, but it was at the guys who were cutting off Jokic to try and get easy looks. And, you know, he really struggled with his assists up until halftime. And then the game opened up for him a little bit more after the halftime break. So guarding him with single coverage is risky because you're forgetting that this man is a two-time MVP. He can score the ball just because he doesn't always look to score the ball. This is what I was watching at the end of the third quarter. I was like, if, if Denver well, want to win uh, this, like, well, Joker's got to be more aggressive well, scoring the basketball. Well, here, well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I mean, you, you got to take away something, right? You can't just, well, you know, I, I got to do X, Y, Z. You got to take away something. So, the one thing that we know is if if you are scoring and facilitating, that's almost impossible to beat. If you just make him into a score. And he limit and limit the other guys to their scoring opportunities. You have a much better chance of winning. Why? Because ball movement on offense is player movement. So the Denver Nuggets only scored 97 points. Great job on the defensive end. I mean, if you told me the Denver Nuggets are only going to score 97 points, I would take my chances in winning that game. Now, you got to execute and score points on the other end. But 97 points, Mo, is a, and they did that at home. So in theory, they should be better. Phoenix should be better and more active at home than they were on the road. But if you told me I was going to hold the Denver Nuggets in game two to 97 points, I would almost bet that, they were gonna, that Phoenix would have won that game. However, that was not the case. Give Denver credit for finding a way to win, and they didn't play well at all. I mean, Jamal Murray, as you said, he didn't have a, a a good game offensively. This wasn't one of their better games, but that's the sign of a good team. When you win and you don't play well, now you're you're that is more deflating to me than playing well. If you play well, you shoot well, everyone gets in, everyone's happy. They didn't even play well. They got they have to go back and look at the tape too because I'm not comp- – you put it like this. I'm not confident they go back home and only score 97 points 
at home because Phoenix should be better. Now, I don't well, know what the We credit, you know, Phoenix's defense for limiting Denver to 97. Denver limited Phoenix to 87. And the whole thing That's going right. into the series it, it, is, you know, even myself inc included, we thought, how's, you know, Jokic going to stop screen rolls or if Booker and KD get into a screen roll action, that's just two elite weapons. He's been doing a great job playing at the level and then all the guys behind him on the back line rotating around, flying around the court have been doing a great job. So we have to credit the Denver Nuggets on defense as well for what they've been doing because their, de their defense has been superb. Like Booker is making shots. He's making tough, contested, mid-range pull-up jumpers over the defender. He's making them, don't get me wrong. But the Denver defense is, has been very tough in this series so far. Well, it's very hard to play offense when you're playing five versus five. Okay. When you're playing five versus five, that's very hard to do. I don't care how good of an offensive player you are. Now, if Phoenix is going to play their brand of basketball, which is quite different than Denver's brand of basketball, they're going to have to get stops, which they can't. Denver's best defense is their offense. They're very patient on the offensive end right now. This is what I really like about Denver is that they are, aren't just coming down taking quick shots. They're not taking bad shots. They're working the shot clock almost every time down. They're executing. Now, why is that important? Because when you run good offense, you're probably going to have good defense because you have the defensive balance. You're not taking quick shots. You're not, you're not taking the first shot. So you, 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 you got guys in offensive rebounding position. You can get back easier in transition. And they're playing a very disciplined brand of basketball right now, which you got to respect. So there's a reason that they only had 87 points because you can look at the type of basketball they were playing. Joker touches the ball every single time down the court. Okay. They're, they're playing through him in half court. They're playing through him in full court. They're, he's, he's, he rotates the ball from one side to the other. He's playing from the post. He's passing from the post. So this disciplined brand of basketball is not going to allow the other team to get out and run. So I give them credit. They got a great game plan. However, Phoenix has had to find a way to play mismatch basketball or advantage basketball, three versus two, four versus three, because that's what they do. The, and well, the, as long the as you can keep five the, people in front of them, the they're, they're gonna be, the I tempo think Denver's going to be fine. The Suns were slow well, their the tempo, tempo in this one. Well, the, the, the Suns right now, the Suns right now got to figure out how to stop, how to stop or be disruptive to the offense of the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are running their offense. I mean, you, you got to be disruptive. You got to disrupt the offense in some capacity, right? Whether you take something away right now, they have a counter to everything that the Denver, that the Denver Nuggets are doing. That the Phoenix Suns I mean, are doing. That the Phoenix Suns are doing. Excuse me. So right now, in the first quarter, I still thought the Temple favored the Denver Nuggets. It was a low-scoring quarter. However, I think that brand of basketball favors Denver more than it favors Phoenix. Now, Phoenix, obviously, they did something different, right? I mean, they did something different tonight, and I think that something was. They wanted to really try to target Jokic, but – Give give Denver credit. Denver Denver is committed to the defensive end. And Caldwell Pope and Brown and Aaron Green Gordon. and all of those guys, Gordon, those guys are playing. I mean, they're physical out there. And you know what? I give them credit. Give those guys credit. I mean, those guys, they got a game plan. They come, they came ready to play. And 
I thought the better team in both of those games won the game. They were certainly the more physical team. Yeah, and they they have you know the 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 size advantage, um, which denies the opportunity for second chance points, which we saw was so key for the Warriors in their game seven win. Um, so their defensive rebounding plays a factor as well. But yeah, two nothing to Denver. I think everyone owes Denver an apology. They might be one of the most disrespected one seeds we've ever seen come out of Western Conference. Uh, but should we look ahead to tonight's games, PJ? Because sure, let's do we, it. We got some stuff in store. We got game two of the Heat and the Knicks. Um, I'm not sure on Julius Randle's status for this one. Um, how do you see this game playing out? Well, this is a must game for the for the Knicks, and you know this is a big game. I think Julius Randle has to play. I think they have to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, the Knicks look like they were banged up at the end of the game. I don't know if that's something we should look forward to, but they looked a little Jaylen banged up. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are both listed as questionable. Yeah, they looked a little banged up. But, you know, I I, I think you got to gut it out. I don't think there's – if they go down 0-2, I think that's going to be tough. And, um, you know, I don't know how Miami is doing it. <laughs> they're shorthanded. You look at their roster and you go, oh, there's no way, but they're getting it done. So – We'll see how this plays out, but I, I think this is a must game for the Knicks. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Josh Hart's playing on a sprained ankle. Um, Mitch Robinson said he's got a banged up hip. So we're going to have to see if they can find a way because even though Jimmy Butler got injured in the last game, you know he's going to bring it again and Carl Larry made great contributions. So it's going to be interesting. Shout out to Coach Spoh for getting that game on win. But now the one that everyone wants to hear about. For the, I think, 23rd time in the postseason, Stephen Curry and LeBron James will face off on the hardwood floor. Is it the, the Warriors Lakers versus Lakers, or is it just Steph Curry versus LeBron James? And the, which, I, which I, I don't even finish my sentence. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. I, did, I didn't Lakers, know who was playing. I thought it was a one-on-one game. I didn't know. As, as the Lakers head to Golden State for their second-round matchup in the Chase Center. BJ, I need your pick for this series and in how many games? I, 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 come on. I, I told you. I'm, I'm just going to stick to it. I don't know why, but I'm just going Warriors until someone knocks him out. I'm just going to go Warriors until they until someone knock him out. I mean, this is seven versus six. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, seven versus six, eight beats one. You know, I, I, I can't make sense of this stuff anymore. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? A seed beats a one seed. A seven seed beats a second seed. The six seed beats the third seed. I mean, I don't know. In our, in our prediction with the words. before the playoffs, you had this matchup being the Kings versus Grizzlies with the Kings winning in seven. Exactly. So, so I don't know it's chaos. So what it don't. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's chaos. It's I said okay. Warriors over the Lakers in six before the playoffs began. I'm now starting to think maybe it's seven games. I'm really intrigued to how this is going to work because they're not going to be able to do to the Lakers, speaking about the Warriors, they're not going to be able to do what they did against Kings. It's a whole new game plan. And uh, it's a very different game plan for the Lakers compared to what they had to face against the Grizzlies, right? You've got to deal with Hakeem, right. Alu- uh, um, Alunzo Morning, um, who's going to be a monster on the boards. But luckily, you've got some size there. You've got Anthony Davis as well. Um, for the Warriors, they've they've got to they've got to obviously stop the threat of Anthony Davis, who's a dominant big. Whereas Sabonis wasn't really looking to try and score. You've got to try and stop LeBron James, who's an elite level wing. The Kings were more guard heavy in terms of Monk and Fox being their primary contributors on offense. And then you also have to deal with Austin Reeves. So it's going to be a lot harder for both of these teams than what they faced in the first round. Uh, my questions heading into this one is, if I'm the Warriors, right, 
Anthony Davis has been so disruptive defensively in that first round. It might be the best defense he's played throughout his career. Steph Curry in his masterful 50-point game, although he was red hot from three, he was getting a lot of looks inside the paint at the hoop. When Anthony Davis is on the court, he's no DeMontis Sabonis. Those looks are not going to be so easy. So if you're the Warriors, are you looking at this kind of strategy for this game and saying, we're going to force AD to work on the offensive end and just run him down throughout this series so that he can't defend at the level he was defending against Memphis rather than trying to take everything away on offense and forcing the other guys to beat you. Because I believe the Warriors, uh, for the Lakers, well, he well, has well, to be the best well, player. Gotta, okay, so the one thing we have to, one thing we have to be uh, on the lookout for as fans is, you know, the Warriors have a different offensive philosophy than the Memphis Grizzlies. What Kavon Looney will, will do and Draymond Green will do is totally different. They have a different responsibility than Tillman and the other guys from the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. They play a different brand of basketball. So Anthony Davis will be put into different actions and have to defend differently than the other. Tillman wasn't a primary scorer. However, the difference between Tillman and Draymond Green and those guys is that I'm not worried about Anthony Davis clogging up the middle. When I'm really worried about Anthony Davis's ability to defend on the three-point line. Why? Because Kavon Looney is one of the best screeners in the league, and Draymond Green is perhaps the best screener in the best league. Best moving screener in the league. Okay. And those guys will have to defend on the perimeter. Because Steph Curry will be involved in those actions. Jordan Poole will be involved. Klay Thompson will be involved. And then in addition to having to defend on the perimeter, he will also have to defend against the guys who will attack the basket, right? Wiggins and the other guys, Kaminga and those guys who possibly be doing it. And then, of course, Steph Curry will find a way to get there. So... I think the actions of the Golden State Warriors is going to be the thing that I'm going to look out for with Anthony Davis because in addition to having to score, he's going to have to defend not only the basket, he's going to have to defend the perimeter because that is key. You can't just sit back and be a shot blocker as Rudy Gobert and those guys have found out yeah. against a Steph Curry team. So what happened last series, in my opinion, but you, 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 I mean, everyone is entitled to say what they want to say. I just think they're going to take Anthony Davis and they're going to pull him out to the basket. Okay. That's what I would do. To the three point put Anthony, you, that's what the Warriors do. They've done it for the last 10 years. <laughs> this isn't anything yeah. new. You know what I mean? This isn't now against Tillman. Tillman was, he was the fifth option every single time. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was the fifth option, right? But here, Kavon Looney, if he, if he gets 20 rebounds in a game, that means he's dominating the offensive glass. You cannot allow anyone to get 10 or 11 offensive rebounds in a game. I think the Warriors got 13 rebounds or so, offensive rebounds in the third quarter alone. That's insane. So I'm looking for the Lakers, who are one of the best, or at least statistically defensive teams, to come out with a game plan to try to contain. You're not going to stop them. Contain this Warriors team so they can't have an explosive 
quarter. Because if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, these guys get cooking from the perimeter, that's going to extend the defense. And then once they get you extended, now you're in trouble. Now, I said this in the last series, so I'll say it again this series. The Warriors have been, for over a decade now, the fastest team in the league. With the exception to the team they just beat, which was the Sacramento Kings. Now the Warriors are back to being the fastest team. So I think they will probably look to control the pace. The Lakers will look to play their pace and we'll see who's going to win that battle. But I think they're going to, I think, and it's not, I think, I know they're going to have to contain them, those guys on the perimeter, if they're going to have a chance to win this series. And it should be a good one. If you're the Lakers, how are you matching up for this one? Who are you putting on Steph Curry to guard him? Um, I probably would start off with Austin Reeves on him. Um, I would put, um, you know, I, I, I think you probably start off with D'Lo on Steph, Austin Reeves on Clay. I'm thinking, Vanderbilt. I'm thinking Jaron Vanderbilt on Steph Curry is giving problems with the size and the strength. Yeah, but you can't put D'Lo on Draymond. Well, you probably put D'Lo on Draymond. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could do that. Maybe you could do that. You're gonna put. Um, maybe you could do that. You can put D'Lo on Draymond, and then you you want to put D'Lo on like Clay Thompson just to run him around screens, and then I don't know how they're gonna uh, match up with it because D'Lo obviously. Yeah, is a I think they're probably D'Lo probably will check. D'Lo or I, if I were, if I were, I would just put him on on because you don't have to worry about his shooting or anything. But at the same the reason time, I put him on Steph so you don't want to get in a cross match, and you know, you know, yeah, you, you know what a cross you, match is. Right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 then the other thing is though is ideally you'd want to have Anti Davis guarding Draymond or Looney so that he can be somewhat of a helper because those two are not scoring threats. I would put at the beginning of the game because Draymond is going to play the five, right? He's clearly the backup five. I would start him off on Looney. I would start him off on Looney. So that way you can switch. That's why I would put D'Lo on Draymond because that way you can switch everything. You know, it just, it gets, that's why, no, I take that back. I would put D'Lo on Steph so that when Draymond sets a screen, Vanderbilt can switch on him because I think Vanderbilt is probably their best defensive player. Yeah. If he, if he screens for clay, then you just switch. So that's what I would do. I would put, I've come to the conclusion with Steph Curry because Steve Kerr is the only coach I know that hasn't gone to the following offensive plan. He never isolates a player in one-on-one situation. Like tonight, like we saw, we saw James Harden. He just went into total isolation. Steph Curry doesn't just come down and go in total isolation. He's going yeah. to do some type of ball movement, player movement. So I would, I'm convinced now after watching these guys for 10 years, I would always put my worst defensive player on Steph Curry. Because why? They're, they're going to set a screen to they're going to set a screen and they're going to utilize ball movement, player movement to get to the action they really want. Meaning they're going to use Steph Curry in an isolation, but it's not going to be the first. Yeah. It's not going to be the first set. It's going to be like the third or fourth pass that they'll get to it. So if you know that, I would just force them to do it on the first pass instead of doing it on the third or fourth pass, because when you have ball movement, you have player movement. So I would put my worst defensive player on Steph Curry 
so that it encourages him to do what I don't want him to do anyway. I want him to pass the ball. I want him to be a facilitator. I don't yeah. want him to get up 38 shots in a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You under, you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's what I would do. But I'm just a guy, you know, what, what do I know? And if, if you're the um, the other way around, if you're the, the Warriors thinking about guarding the Lakers, who you put in, you're going to give Wiggins the LeBron assignment. And then are you giving Anthony Davis to Draymond or Kavon Looney? I, 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 <laughs> It's two, it's two matchups I want to see. I want to see Rui versus Jordan Poole. Like, who's going to win that matchup? Yeah, in terms of bench contributions. Because Rui is 6'9", 6'8", 6'9". And Poole is quick and on the perimeter. Now, one of them is not going to play. One of them is going to cancel each other out. We, either Rui can't guard Jordan Poole or Jordan Poole can't guard Rui. Well, I, I don't think they'll be guarding each other directly because they're both coming off the bench. Okay, well, according to me... If you if they make a sub and you make a sub, they're they're gonna sub. <laughs> on, <laughs> the maybe, they, on the assumption <laughs> they only make one substitute at a time. Uh, well, Rui is going to play a small forward guard position, and the Warriors go. They're going to go small ball. They're going to go Clay Poole. They're going to go Clay Poole and 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 Steph. Yeah, Wiggins. We've seen that less and less, though. Okay, okay, but 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 but, uh, this is a new series. He's got to find what's going to work for him. He, Steve Kerr's got to find what's going to work. Now, when they go, when they go, Schroeder, uh, Reeves, Reeves, and then like D'Lo or Troy Brown or, yeah, when they go Rui. LeBron and Anthony Davis, for instance, or they go the what's the other kid, the other big kid that they play. Um, when they go that lineup, Jordan Poole is going to have to guard either LeBron or Rui. Well, he's not going to guard LeBron, so he's going to guard Rui. <laughs> I just think that's going to be a tough matchup for them. I now I don't know how Steve is going to play. I think Kaminga has to play now. To me, Kaminga. Or has Moody. to show up in this series. Moody as well. I don't think Moody. I don't think Moody's big enough to guard Rui or LeBron. That's what, that's what I think. But what, what do I know? I mean, I'm just saying, just on paper. Mm-hmm. Now maybe he can, but I think Kaminga is going to have to cancel out Rui. If you can cancel out Rui on the bench, now their only other bench player is, in my opinion, is going to be Schroeder. Schroeder and and Poole. That's a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I don't think Coach Ham is going to go Schroeder and D'Lo versus Steph and Clay or Steph and Poole. I don't think that's a good matchup. Yeah, you you follow what I'm, I'm saying? saying? I just don't I'm think that's you. a good matchup. So, but we'll see. I think Ru- to me coming in, I'm going okay. I got to cancel out Rui. I have to make the coaches think I can't play Rui in this series. If I can get Rui off the floor, because Rui is a solid, solid three point shooter. He's an offensive rebounder and he's a bigger body than their rotational players with the exception of Kaminga. Yeah. And he can generate offense for himself as well in the late, late uh, shot situations. So I, I, I I think advantage for the, just on paper, but however, Kaminga, I think Kaminga gets early playing time. I think he, I think he got to come to him. Yeah. We're going to have to see if he can contribute on the offensive side of the ball then a little bit, Jonathan Kaminga. 
Um, it's going to be an interesting series for sure. For sure, it's going to be an interesting series. TV ratings should be at an all time high. Um, the the storyline is going to be thicker than ever. And then, man, I just can't wait for it to get underway. We're going to be back here tomorrow. Let you guys know exactly what happened. And uh, a whole lot more from around the NBA. And the MVP is being announced tomorrow, I believe. Oh, So uh, congratulations, well, got, Joel Embiid. Embiid will win. Oh, is it? Win so, it? Should okay. I tell you something? Should I tell you something? I don't know if I should tweet this because the Philly fans will be so mad. BJ, earlier this season, just a couple months ago, the Nuggets were supposed to play the Sixers in what was a highly anticipated matchup. Many people thought that this might sway them in their votes for MVP this game. Embiid and right. Jokic going head-to-head. Embiid right. decided not to play the game to rest because he wanted to make sure he was healthy for the playoffs. Now, obviously, we can't control injuries, and injuries are very unfortunate. But tonight, Embiid injured in the playoffs. Jokic, 39 points in the win to take a 2-0 series lead. I'm just saying, don't just smoke all you want. You can't avoid injuries forever. So um, I remember having that conversation about Embiid not playing in that game. And... Um, that's why he's not my MVP. And here we are. Here we are. Well, he'll you win. know what? Uh, you know. The you sympathy know, MVP. It is what it is. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> well done. It's your turn. That's what I'm saying. Jokic and Giannis have already both won to. It's your turn now, Joel. Congratulations. Well done. It is well deserved. How about that? How, how about that? If I mean, I mean, think about this. The last five MVPs have been foreign born players absolutely but let me tell you that's this unbelievable. That, that, that's unbelievable let me tell you this i don't think Jokic, Giannis, or mb should win the mvp this year not one of them played over 70 games if we go back and look okay. at mvps when the hell is so who MVP should be who, who should be mvp then Mo? the mvp by default should be jason tatum by default because he showed up to the games you're the most valuable player you show up the most time the best ability is availability Look at the last 10 MVPs. None of them played less than 70 games. The only one was Giannis, which was the COVID year. And even then, percentage-wise, it still works out as more than 70. I don't want to hear the 65 games. I don't want to hear the 60 games, whatever. Play 70 games at least. It's an 82-game schedule. That allows you 12 games for rest and injuries, whatever. That's my take on it. Because now it sets a dangerous precedent. You only need to play 60 games to win the MVP. So now, so, so now what? You've got 22 games of your team playing without their best player. Okay, cool. Still win the MVP. That's great for the fans, great for the media, great for your TV viewing figures. Absolutely fantastic. Okay. That's what I'm just saying. Play the damn game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Play the I, game. I, I, hey. I just want to see the best players on the court. That's it. I'm a simple man. It, it, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. You're looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, and, well, I'm looking uh, forward to today ending so I can forget about this damn Celtics game. <laughs> hey, hey, Mo. You know, you got to have a short memory to play in this game. Let it go. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, let it go. It's over. Uh, 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 one thing I will say uh, I hope Chris Paul recovers in time for game three because the Phoenix Suns did look really good up until his injury. Um, it definitely messed up the flow of the game. And we seem to see Chris Paul every year uh, have some sort of injury or another in the postseason. So fingers crossed he can recover because um, I want to see him on the court when they lose against Denver. So, right. fingers crossed. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more. Make sure you subscribe to the show. I know any Sixers fans listening are not going to press subscribe now because I just said NB shouldn't be MVP, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't know why you said Yeah, I don't know why you said I, 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 I have to quickly keep it 100. We say we always got to keep it honest here. I'm not saying MB shouldn't be the MVP. If he had played 70 games, hell yeah, he should be the MVP. 
I also said that Jokic shouldn't be the MVP and Giannis shouldn't be the MVP. I'm saying you just play. Like, just play. You rested and now you're still injured anyway. So you may as well have just played and given us the matchup we all wanted to see, which is Jokic versus Embiid late in the regular season. I feel like we were robbed of a great, great regular season game. And here we are, injured anyway. It's crazy how life works. Subscribe to the show, most importantly. <laughs> James Harden did. Get buckets. <laughs>